Hello everybody and welcome back to the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast. We are finally there. Episode 100, baby! We did it! It's taken four seasons to get to this point, but we are just about ready. And, well, I wish we'd gotten a slightly more interesting week of football to uh, to sink our teeth into for such a monumentous episode. Uh, joining us today is, of course... While Ed and Emma are still on their honeymoon, we've got Sam Longdon, first of all. Sam, how are you doing? Uh, I'm brimming with admiration and love for the New York football giants. As you should be. As you as you really should be. And uh, how are you, Max, currently fiddling with a Sabutio goal net? That should tell you everything you need to know. Um <laughs> Like, when you go through, like, a tough time, like, you know, some people, <laughs> some people dye their hair, but a man like me just goes, reaches straight for the Sabutio. <laughs> that does kind of, getting a Sabutio box out of the attic does kind of scream midlife crisis. This is now the attic. I bought this, like, two years ago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, Mac, Max Saito, known hobbyist. You may as well. You may as well like get a really dumb like new haircut and buy like a Mazda MX-5 and like try and take your kids to Malaga. How old do you think Max's lifespan's going to be if you think that now is the time for his midlife crisis? I'm just, I'm just saying, spiritually, it feels like a midlife crisis. Also, this podcast now has more episodes, or it has for a while, but episode 100 just got me thinking. Has like more episodes than The Sopranos. Yeah, we've and we've I been on the think, air for longer than Breaking Bad, which feels like an injustice. That, I think that makes us better than both of those. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but during the course of this podcast, I've consumed way much more fucking. <laughs> Italian style deli meats than anyone could have possibly could. Oh yeah, it's oh. a it's a non-stop gabagool orgy. Brilliant nights. Yeah, <laughs> I'm real proud. I was of you gonna, on that one. I was trying. I was gonna say smorgasbord, but then I forgot the what word I wanted to say. Oh, unbelievable. Um, how do we all feel about getting to 100? By the way, I know Max joined us halfway along the uh, along <laughs> the streams. I should have probably mentioned it in chat to see whether or not we could get maybe like a cele- uh, celebratory soundbite from Ed and Emma while they're on the travels. Ooh. But um, you know, they're just going to have to miss out on on the big one L. L. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you it's, put a one a... and two zeros in front of that, or we were out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a momentous occasion. It's it's nice for me because this podcast has accurately tracked me going from completely apathetic, if anything, you know, averse to American football, and now. I'm hooting and hollering every day for my boys in blue. Yeah, that sounds about right. Max <laughs> 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 has finished the goal, which is... No, it looks like crap. I'm going to have to go to like my local 
like um, weird, weird hobbyist shop and buy like metal Sabutio goals made <laughs> in the foundries of Zagreb or something. It looks like a year seven textiles project. It basically is, to be fair. <laughs> Probably created on the streets of Carabag. <laughs> More like the streets of Carabao. Alright, let's uh, let's get straight into the games. Um, we had a little discussion after last week where after sitting through like Panthers, Cardinals, we were like, I'm just so done on the Sunday games that by the time that we get prime time, we ran out of all energy. So we moved all the prime time games to the beginning, which and might we have proved Yeah, we actually we were, but not in this one. Because we start with Thursday Night Football, where the Colts and Broncos played out one of the worst games of football that I have ever witnessed with my own two eyes. Um, Broncos country! Let's ride. They stink. They genuinely... Both of these teams are so devoid of any actual entertaining quality. So what better way than to put the Broncos on Monday Night Football next week? Flex them out of there! Get them out of there! Like, I don't know. I mean, I assume the schedule makers just thought Russ would, like, go to Denver and the, like, you know, the climate would make him, like, young and strong again. But, like, some sort of fountain of youth. Yeah. But, like, I was thinking about this, like, when the extension happened for us, I, I said that I found it a bit weird. It's like, you know, you don't... He kind of might be washed. And you were like, well, there's no point trading for him unless you're gonna like actually keep him. Which is fair. But also, now the Broncos are locked into seven years or... Eh, five. Seven? I don't fucking care. It's like seven, <laughs> but they can get out of it after five, which yeah. sounds like they're probably going to wish that they that made could that be get one out of, of the it worst, after one. That could be one of the worst contracts. Like, it could be the worst like contract in the league at the end of this year. Be careful, though. It's spicy. And not spicy enough. Russell. <laughs> oh. Like, it. it's a... This has gone so far sideways. And, like, I know part of it's on Hackett, but Russell Wilson is not even making good decisions. No, there was the, like, there was the very brutal moment where KJ Hamler cuts inside from the right on the goal line, and Russell yeah. Wilson, who's still living in his fears from 2015, is, uh, <laughs> is afraid to throw it to him. But I'm also seeing that apparently he's playing hurt, which begs the question... Yeah, yeah. Why? Absolutely get fucked. Can I just present a, like a dissenting opinion here? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's time to panic that much about the Broncos yet. Like, oh, there he is, the Hackett truther. I'm what metric? I'm not a Hackett truther. <laughs> anything Hackett is the part I'm most concerned about, right? But through, I mean, yeah, okay. There's they've been shit awful through. However many weeks this torturously long season lasts for, um, but like they've not had any issues moving the ball already between the twenties 
And if not for, if they had even like a league average red zone offense, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. But they don't, which is obviously, you can't just say like that, <laughs> whatever. Just because they can't score points doesn't mean they're not a good offense. You know, that doesn't really stick. But, you know, it's a new system, new quarterback, new first-time coach who is really struggling. And I just think, I don't know, there's not time to totally bail on the whole thing yet, but Sam's um, qualms or Sam's gut feeling of Hackett being one and done may, may come to fruition. Well, my problem with the Broncos is, like, I know what you hear. I hear what you're saying about oh, they're they're moving the ball really well between the twenties. But look at who they've played. They've played the Seahawks. They've played the Texans. They've played the Forty ers They've played the Raiders and they've played the Colts. They've only scored over uh, over sixteen points in one of those games, and it was against the Raiders, and they still took an L. They're paying Russell Wilson forty nine million dollars. I mean, the Raiders. We can talk about later, but. I don't think any of those teams have like a disastrously bad defense, and I think it's a confidence thing. The whole team's really low on confidence at the moment. They just need—they're in the NFL equivalent of like, you know, when a striker just needs one to go in off his ass. Yeah. They just need to for like a thirty-two point game to go in off their ass, <laughs> and I think they'll probably be able to get the shit back on track. No, missing Javante Williams is a big problem, um, and Garrett Bowles got hurt, which is not going to help their cause. Like, he got a broken li- leg, I think. So yeah, he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Which and so is Ronald Darby as well, which doesn't help their defense because you know I know Pat Sertan is their cornerback one, but your cornerback two can't can't go down for the rest of the season and and it all be hunky dory. They're just a, they just are a bad team. I'm sorry, they just aren't. They're good. stuck in the doldrums, but the I think the bones of a good team are there. But it's not enough to just have bones. You need flesh, well, and <laughs> other things as well. I think the other thing is is I think. They're suffering as a result of their own good off-season because they. the only reason as to why the Broncos are getting hammered as much as they are for being a bad team is because of the fact that everyone expected them to be good, including the NFL schedule makers, which is why we've had them in prime time four times already as of next week. Like Yeah, I know, and it, it's we, funny because... We're all um, subjected to watching this garbage. No, it is funny because it's it's Russ. It's just who Russ is. Like we all saw the Kyle Brandt takedown of him, and he's he's obviously just like a stupid guy. Like there's something about Russ which is just like incredibly plastic and just like entirely manufactured. But you know, like I mean, is he really like the worst guy in the NFL at the moment at the quarterback position? No. Um, but you know, same... not. So I don't. It's fun to dunk on them because their fans were walking around like they'd already won the Super Bowl, um, and it's always fun when a team gets humbled. But you know, lot of lot of season left. Yeah. Um, from a Colts perspective, another team that um, really has, I, I'd say, massive question marks now about them. Um, I, I, I think that this could be I think that both of the coaches at the end of this year from this game will be will be gone. I don't think that Frank Reich is staying around. Um it doesn't help that Shaq Leonard has only played one game this year, but I mean the Matt Ryan experiment has gone to complete pot. 
he was he was he looked washed last year, and now he he basically can't throw the football. It's like watching like last season's Ben Roethlisberger, but without the like attachment to him that that the Colts fans might have had with a, with another guy. It is it is just a shame, and they're gonna have to move on to another quarterback. I don't know who that quarterback's gonna be because likelihood is it's gonna be another veteran that nobody wants. I mean, unless they, what's their record now? Three, two, and three. Uh, two, two, and one. Uh, so they're probably not really in contention for like a top. Maybe they are in contention for top five pick, but. But I don't they, think they will be, to... though, because I think that they'll end up... Depending on how far the Titans come, I th- I could genuinely see this team still manage to, managing to claw into a wild card spot purely because of their, like, dreadful division. Shall we uh, Shall we move on? Because Sam's, <laughs> Sam's on the phone. I assume he doesn't have anything to, uh, else to add. And uh, Max, I assume... This is probably regarding Sam's hard out, right? Yeah, I think maybe. Quite possibly. Okay. Yeah, I've not got anything else to say about these two teams. They're very much milk toast at best. Sweet. Right, let's move on to the Sunday night football game where the Cincinnati Bengals were beaten by a Justin Tucker field goal. This was a good t- this was a good game, a very scrappy one though. Very hard fought. The sort of game that you could picture being a very uh very entertaining end to end one one in football. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's been a lot of games in the NFL which have been entertaining because they've been close, but they have really been like low scorers. Um, but you know, I think I think that doesn't. I, I've always said like you can have a, a a fun and entertaining game that does have a lot of defense. Yeah, um, but weirdly enough, I don't think either of these two teams would pin their defenses down as their main strengths. But um. Justin Tucker's, he's just, you know, a, a lot has been said and it's kind of like the obligatory Justin Tucker Hall of Famer thing that everyone says afterwards. But, I mean, it is just like, it is it is like Aaron Donald for the defensive tackle position, right? It's just like, yeah, it transforms what the standard for kickers is. I think he, I swear to that he's like 25 for 26 all time on game or lead changing kicks in the fourth quarter over time, which is just ridiculous. It is. I think if if there isn't a Justin Tucker Hall of Fame campaign five years after he retires, then no kicker should be in in the hall. He, he has to be first ballot. It just depends on who else retires at the same time, because if. If he retires at the same time as like well, yeah. an Aaron Rodgers, who's a who's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer, yeah. like so if he just waits until like a bit of an off year, he's just gonna wait until he, sure he, get, he gets his flowers. Yeah, he's gonna wait for the year that Robert Woods retires, and then and then he can bow out gracefully. He's a kicker though, so. He probably still I mean, would I, get like banged by Robert Woods in the in the. In yeah, the no, but I mean, like, days. I mean, in terms of his career longevity, you could I don't know. Maybe what if Justin Tucker's still kicking when he's like forty-two? Oh. That'd be sensational. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
outside of uh, outside of Justin Tucker. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is anybody a little bit concerned? Maybe that both of these teams are going to just keep running into brick walls against teams of their sort of ilk. The Bengals. I don't. Yeah. I'm not concerned about their two and three record because like. A, a real fluky pair of losses to start the season, and then they've 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 beaten the Dolphins. Although that was a sort of two-less Dolphins, they beat the Jets. They're still a better team than their record suggests. And I think that the Ravens being three and two again, like they've thrown away a couple games, but they've also thrown them away against the 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 Dolphins when they were at like peak power already. And the Bills, who might be the best team in football, bar none. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think there's any reason to panic, but I don't think, I don't think the the Bengals might have hoped that they would take another step. But I mean, they spent a lot of the first half of last season sort of messing around. But we've just not seen Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon do what they did last year. Like, it's, it's just not shown it. Yeah. So, I think there is a bit of cause for concern for the Bengals after five games, but. If you, there, there might well be the team that's like you get into the playoffs and you hope that you can can get help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I think that that's probably the case for both of these teams. I think that they'll both they'll both end up looking for a deep playoff run. It's just how how does the how does the draw uh, match up is is the only concern really. They'll both yeah. make it. Mm, will they? Yeah. The AFC keeps bumbling over each other. I'm pretty sure that the Bengals' schedule eases off a little bit from here. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, the the for the Ravens at least, like it's good that they actually managed to like pull one of these out. games back. Yeah, because yeah. it it's the exact same as like you know, big lead, then in the second half, just nothing. Can't get any points on the board and like let teams just build and build and build. So it's nice that they actually like managed to dig their heels in the in the sand a bit, but still mildly concerning. And now is it Marcus Williams out for I don't think for the season, but Yeah, Marcus Williams got here. I I haven't seen anything further to that. Yeah, I think he didn't he dislocate his wrist and so it'll be yeah, like an eight week oh. for him, which is just just the worst, really. Yeah. Yeah. The Ravens just need to stay healthy and the Bengals need to find their, their footing. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> the Ravens <laughs> just need to stay healthy and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to Monday night football because we're making—I'd say we're making pretty good progress, especially given how like weird and bad Sunday actually turned it out to be. Uh, <laughs> Monday night, Las Vegas Raiders fall to four and one at Arrowhead as the Chiefs. One and four. Oh, sorry, one and four. My bad. While the Chiefs improved to four and one, thirty to twenty-nine. Um, the Raiders just needed to get into field goal range with about 50 seconds left. They ended up getting to fourth and one. And then on the fourth down play, 
Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro ran into each other and <laughs> that resulted in Derek Carr throwing into a completely empty section of the field. Just, again, really, really strange circumstances for this game to end. But it was a cracking game to watch. Another one that stayed right down to the wire. Um Big shout out, by the way, to Travis Kelsey, who had a, a, a monster stat line. Seven catches, 25 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns for yeah, Travis I mean, Kelsey. T- what? Two of those were, like, from the one? Yeah, but you still got to make the catch. As, oh, yeah. as certain he's, he's teams are proven, like... the red zone is, is hard to have receiving touchdowns. Well, yeah, he's maybe one. Well, he's not maybe. He's one of the best, like, red zone targets in the league. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think he's he's the only tight end that I'd say is consistently showing up on the box score every week as like a as a great target. Some guys will have good weeks and then bad weeks a week after. Yeah. Travis Kelsey is the only guy that I'd say this season has shown up every week yeah. again. I mean, I'd, I'd put Mark Andrews in that kind of group, but yeah. just because the Ravens have struggled a bit, like especially in the red zone, sometimes I think he gets a he gets a knock. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the like, I guess you could. I guess he could get on at um, McDaniel's for not just running on that fourth and one when it like, was... Josh Jacobs was having a pretty good game. In a theme, like, right? They'd, like they'd been doing pretty fucking well, just heaving up deep balls to Adams. And either waiting for a PI call or, you know, waiting for a catch. So I don't hate it, but, it, you know, that's how it falls, is what it is. No, I just... It, it's it, it's really annoying to me because the Packers were guilty of this as well. Teams will get into, like, a third and one or a second and one, and then they'll run, like, two or three plays out of shotgun, and they, they'll leave a pass or... Maybe they'll try running once. And it's just absurd to me. Like, it, it's almost gone the other way. Like, surely this analytics now show, like, if you, especially when you've got a running back who, like, Josh Jacobs wasn't getting stopped. He was, he was winning, or they were running the line of scrimmage all the time. If you've got a running back who's doing that, surely the analytics should just be like, yeah, we've got, like, three chances to pick up one yard. You've got 50 seconds left. So if you pick up a first down, you can spike it, or you can even get a play call in. They could have even tried three straight QB sneaks and it, it probably would have ended up working out. Sam's just gone. Um, but yeah, like the analytics clearly supported going for it on fourth and one. There's absolutely zero denying that like those were the right calls, but the the formations. I don't know what it is about, like in this modern brand of the NFL. But you're absolutely right. A lot of teams are doing it out of shotgun. Like you can, you can have an efficient running game out of shotgun, but it's like you've got to pick up one yard. Don't overthink this. You yeah. know, even if the numbers say like, okay, if they, if you're running into a stacked box, like okay, you're gonna have one or more matchups on the outside. You're only asking for a yard. Yeah, yeah. and you've been like, picking up. Just show big. some faith in your team. Yeah. You know, you're not trying to overthink it. You're not trying to... It's literally like get a yard or lose the game. Yeah. Just trust that your big blokes are big enough to move their big blokes out of the way by literally like 
I mean, I don't know. I'm from Britain. I don't even know how much a yard is in centimeters, but it doesn't look like much. <laughs> it's ninety-one point four centimeters. If you don't trust your offensive line to push that much, then you've got bigger problems. Yeah, but it... also feel free. No, I, I was because I was watching. I've watched the forty minute of this game, and it was a comedic game in many respects. And like sixty five percent of the comedy came from the Raiders' defense, <laughs> just making killer mistakes. Like they they were forcing the Chiefs into field goal mist- attempts, and they committed a holding on the field goal, which you almost never see. Yeah, yeah. You know there was they managed to lose Kelsey in the end zone four times in increasingly comedic ways. They had guys running into each other and stuff. He wasn't he was open for like all of those catches. It was ridiculous to watch. Like their fans must have been losing their minds. <laughs> Obviously, the final play, Adams and Renfro run into each other, and you know the play before that, Adams. In, in, in fact, maybe I was killing the play call too much because they got the ball to Adams, and he normally makes that catch, but he bobbles it, doesn't control the inbounds. And if they had hit that play, then you know the outcome of the game is probably a lot different. But man, the Raiders' defense. Awful. They just lay down and they bottled a seventeen to nothing lead. And as much as you we want to get on the offense for for sputtering a bit, it was the defense was just like ground into dust. It's it's crazy as well because they I thought that Max Crosby showed up big time, but the rest of the team as a whole just didn't have anything going for it. There's nothing else. Yeah. It it. It must be really infuriating for Max Crosby to have had such a good game as well, both in, in actually attacking Patrick Mahomes in a passing play, but also stopping the run on rundowns, just for the rest of his defence to just show up absolutely like falling on their asses around him. Yeah. And, okay. I'll, uh, d- I'm sure we'll have some other discussions like this in a bit but I might not be here for those so we'll get into like some uh, uh, interesting calls from the refs for the rest of the game yeah Um, but the Chris Jones roughing call in this game was I think Maybe even more perplexing. No, the the no. Brady Jarrett one was was worse, but the Chris Jones one was, was equally bad. Like, yeah, it's the, it, it, but... the the Chris Jones one was like, what's he supposed to do? But the Brady Jarrett one is like they flagged him for doing exactly what they tell yeah. you to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was absurd. Oh, and both of them did. Well, actually, I guess no. They they didn't really materially affect the game, but they they could have done because in a big spot like that. Well, it, I mean the the. Brady the Brady, Jarrett one yeah, did. the Brady one did. Like, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah, this one didn't affect the course of the game so much. But just in terms of, like, how or why these calls are being made, like, if you're applying these so, like, broadly, and I have to assume it has something to do with, like, the whole tour controversy and, like, the league wanting to look better in how they're protecting quarterbacks, but, but... they win is is what will 
talk about later because they yeah, didn't protect because... one quarterback. They actively yeah, because... threw him under the bus a couple of times. Like well, they just they just stink. The refs which are genuinely were, abhorrent. Which were which were bad calls, but the yeah, like if you're gonna apply like if you're gonna apply penalties like that so broadly with such a, a like a fine like line between a perfectly legitimate pass and like immediate PI. Like it has to be reviewable at every point. And like Chris Jones was saying that after the game, like if you're gonna call these like it's to protect quarterbacks, then sure. But I don't maybe... I don't think I don't think they should make those reviewable because that's opening up another can of worms, like because then you're gonna get inexplicable decisions with the aid of replay review, because it's totally subjective. Like, yeah. we can take, like, I mean, there was a couple in one week that were quite high profile. I mean, obviously, mistakes happen. The Gerald was really bewildering, but I think, in general, I think um, they're throwing about half as many roughing the passer flags so far through five weeks as they were last season. Um, so, I, I, I don't think we should let a couple of instances totally colour. Our opinion of, but I mean, yeah, you you're right to say it was atrocious decisions, but in general, I think it's not yeah. the worst I'd be interested to see like how this, you know, draws out the rest of like just the next couple of weeks and see if this is applied more broadly. It could just be bad calls. I think the thing that's really irritating is the lack of consistency, and it's the same thing that <laughs> happens across every sport. Is the way that we'll talk about the Steelers. No, later. no, 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 no. I mean it in terms of like with the Grady Jarrett one, he literally did what they've been trying to tell oh, yeah. everybody to do, and then all of a sudden, the lack of consistency means that he gets flagged for it, and it saves the Buccaneers drive. Like those are the sorts of things that it's so infuriating as a fan to watch when your team has done a play that you consider by the letter of the law to be a legal play because of you've yeah. seen the consistent calls going that certain way, and then out of nowhere the referees still decide to get it wrong because of some variable that can't be explained without you know any accountability being taken. But the lack of consistency, it also makes the referees' job harder because they don't know whether or not to yeah. call. It creates a grey area that shouldn't be there. Yeah, and sometimes it's caused by a grey area. Sometimes, like with pass interference, sometimes it's caused by the actual call creating the grey area. Like with ineligible receiver downfield, the referees have been sort of told to hold off on on calling that. But I see like yeah. five of those a week at the moment, where sometimes a, a guy will be downfield and they won't get flagged, and sometimes a guy won't even they'll not even be a yard downfield and they'll still get called for it. So it's like have the consistency including yeah. inside of your own game that you that you're calling it doesn't matter if another referee gets it wrong in in another game just keep the same consistency between two identical plays as a referee and you save yourself the controversy because then everyone's like oh he wasn't calling this all game he's not going to call it now it's when people go he's called the one way this whole game and then inexplicably at this very crucial turning point they've called it a different way and it saved or killed a team uh, that's 
that's the issue here. Um, yeah. Obviously, I don't. Now, you don't want to talk about a, a, a referee spoiling a game, but. I mean, if, later I, if on, I was a Falcons fan, later on I we'll we'll talk about a referee spoiling a game with the Falcons. Livid. Do we need to commit more time to this topic in this podcast? It's just the nature of the game. There's no other sport really that has stuff like holding and pass yeah. interference calls that are so marginal and, and so subjective and so timing based. And the introduction of stuff like slow motion replays, you know, doesn't really help because it is subjective. And, and you talk about bang bang plays, and I just don't. Oh, I, I just don't, I don't really like all this chat because it's just the nature of the NFL, right? It's not like it's not like MLB where you can have a robot, a computer, a robot computer strike, <laughs> and you're like, okay, so that's definitely a strike. There's not clearly defined boundaries. Yeah, well, but, I'd call yeah, it more similar to problem, like a. I'd call it more similar to how in in football it, you get a lot of bang bang sort of plays, and referees will call them in inconsistently there as well, like. That's that's more what I'd I'd point it down to. Any of the actual like contact sports out there happens in basketball it, as well. It works. It works out over the course of a season, right? Like, is this just part and parcel of sports? It's just yeah. It's just frustration. It's, it's a frustration, but I just don't really know what we can do about it. I mean, to be fair, like the Grady Jarrett one, that was Jerome Bogus crew, and they got like suspended last year, didn't they? So. Yeah, you know, sometimes you get good refs and sometimes you get bad refs, but you know, it's frustrating when you're watching it as a neutral because you want the the best team to win, even if it's by like one point and they're marginally better. But I don't know. The, the, anyway. I reckon they play the game like ninety times and the Chiefs would win seventy eight of them. The Raiders are. Such they're going the same way yeah, every you, season for the last five years. You love a if you played. X game Y amount of times uh, point max, but you are. I'm right. a big picture guy. I'm a big picture guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there'll be plenty more. You know, I don't. I, I fear this podcast becoming like a bunch of rules wonks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that Max is here to steer us towards. Yeah, we're not. We don't need to be like the Dean Blandino podcast with Stephen A. <laughs> Smith. We don't need that. There's other things to talk about, other games um, before six o'clock. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point, actually. Let's let's turn our attention to uh, the main game, I'd say, on Sunday, which was the New York football giants. The G-Men! The boys in blue are 4-1 after winning in London, beating a very heavy Packers contingent into the ground at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, 27-22. <laughs> <laughs> a very heavy contingent. They've been <laughs> they've been down Maryland chicken the night before, and they were feeling a bit sluggish. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the G Men coming out on top, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off here by praising a certain guy that I don't think I've actually praised on this podcast, Daniel Dimes Jones, who had one of those games that doesn't look all that impressive on the box score, but when you actually look. How he actually played. 217 yards, 21 of 27. No toddies, but no interceptions either. Just kept the ball moving, kept it on churning. And in the end, it all worked out in favor of the G Men. Yeah, it was. I'm not going to do the G Men thing because Hannah's had a long work day and I think she'd leave me. But the. 
This is the best Giants game I've watched. Like, live as a fan. It, and it was, it was like the, I think this was like, in many ways, the ideal Daniel Jones game. Or like a good kind of template for like an optimistic outlook for him. Like, he moves the ball, he's decisive with his throws, and when to kind of run or not. He, like he, he squeezed some fantastic passes in, um, and it. Um, in a way, I'm lost for words. It like Saquon Barkley went out for a bit. It, it looked like it could so easily have been like another Giants game where. It was just stuttering the whole way through and they never really found a rhythm with anything and like the the situation with wide receiver and like Jair being back I really thought it'd it'd go such a different way but hey here we are also I bemoaned the appointment of Mike Kafka prior to the season because he's like uh it looks like if Mr. Clean like paid attention to crypto. But my god, the like offensive looks in this game were uh, brilliant. And it's the like most interesting Giants play callings I've seen ever just because it's not been interesting for such a long time. Like the weird little like Philly special uh like from Danny to Saquon and then to Daniel Bellinger who was gonna try and look for Daniel Jones but he was covered so he just trucked into the end zone it's like you know I know that's not how it was designed but like they fucking did it riding high as you should as as you really should I was gonna just sort of let you carry on until you'd sort of exhausted your points but um I want to just quickly hear from Max because this is the first time since doing this show, I think, that the G-Men and the Packers have faced each other and you guys have been on the show at the same time. Yeah, I know. You know, I thought if you play this game a hundred times, the Packers still <laughs> fucking spine. <laughs> a totally spineless performance. They looked all right. And then they just went into, like, a fugue state. Like, they were just asleep at the wheel. They allowed the Giants to score on their last five substantive drives. They didn't get a stop. The quarterback seems to be throwing up these deep shots for no reason once he gets into a funk. Uh, is like, hoping that his receiver is suddenly 15 and a half feet tall, like, five times in a row. Puts the defense right back out on the field. I feel like if the Packers just ran the ball every every single snap, they'd probably have a better chance of winning because... That's what their strength is at the moment. And on the other side, you've got all these players who are meant to be good, and they're just getting, like, just run over. Like, not even run, it's like death by a thousand cuts. And they refuse to make a negative play. I think they had, like, three sacks, maybe, that would have been quite impactful, all negated by defensive holdings by Russell Douglas. <laughs> like, yeah. I was getting pretty sick and tired of that. Like, they, I think they sacked, Daniel Jones like once maybe but they 
Rashawn Gary had one, and I think Kenny Clark had one, like, for fairly significant losses that would have forced the Giants to, like, try and open up the playbook a little bit. And they had no, for, they had nothing in the middle of the field. Like, if Jones was protected for more than, like, three seconds each throw, and Darius Slayton or Richie James or some other wacko New York guy would just be free in the middle of the field for, like, a 10-yard catch and, like, an extra eight after the catch. And, and I was just, like, getting tired of watching Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos running, like, sideline to sideline to make these tackles after the guys were completely unmarked in the middle of the field. What, where were the... They supposed to have good middle linebackers in Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. Well, I didn't... I don't know where they were. Like, they weren't rushing. Maybe they were just, like, so concerned with trying to stop Barkley, which they... They kind of... Like the Packers were like they came in after that game against the Patriots and you know the Bears game and everyone was saying oh they can't defend the run they allowed a forty yarder to Barkley which is not good um, but other yeah, than that I think they held it? him to five yards. I mean look uh, so it was thirteen for seventy with a long of forty so twelve for thirty otherwise so under three yards per carry but it's like yeah. they did that and then they just lost any ability to actually defend in the middle of the field. And to, you know, the the Giants' credit, they, I don't want to give the Giants too much credit because that's what Sam's here to do. And to be honest, I was more disgusted <laughs> by the Packers than I was. I mean, the, the, the most impressive thing that the Giants did was they didn't make a mistake. Like, I think that's what the value of coaching is, where yeah, um, your coach comes in and he's looking around and when he's not really had the time to mould the team as he wants to, what you really want him to do is just make... The, the players available to him play as best as he can and, and focus on the fundamentals. And that's what they've been doing. And that's enough to be a good team. I think <laughs> at the moment in the NFL, there's a lot of teams who are just like slipping and sliding, like some demented Takeshi's castle level. The Packers <laughs> are most certainly one of those. And the Giants have got like their, their coaching and their ability to focus on the fundamental basically gives them a pair of like ski boots with nails, like. <laughs> Like nailed onto the outside, so they've got grip. And at the moment in the NFL, that's enough for a four-on-one record. They're not slipping yeah. and sliding all over the place. Yeah, Whether the, they can win a playoff game, I, I don't know. Yeah, necessarily. The Packers, but the kind of you know the the average Joe trying to navigate their way through the beehive maze of the NFL, and the Giants are just one of those sumos that pushes you into the water there. That's not true. The Packers are like, they're not an average Joe at all. The Packers are like a stockbroker who's trying to cook dinner for the first time in his life. I thought that we were making some kind of Takeshi's Castle thing. I don't remember that level. No, it was um, it was cut from the Western releases, but it's the same room where they had the karaoke one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll. I don't want to like wax lyrical on this for too long, so I'll I'll leave with one point, which is that we, I think it's just the value of good coaching for this fucking team. Last year, the Giants were like the worst red zone team by a significant margin. Like they didn't get there very often, but when they did, they didn't do shit. And like this game, they scored a touchdown on three out of four red zone like trips. I think it's just like good, like creative coaching and play calling, and uh, like it, 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 it makes a. I don't know. 
It's just everything about this team feels like less. What it is, is for the first time since like 2015 or 2014, the Giants don't beat themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, if they lose, it's because the other team played better. And it's not like a, a massively high bar to clear, but they're, they're, they're what you would categorize as like a tough out. Yeah. Right? Well, that was probably like one of the biggest problems they've had the last few years. Like, that you could just, you know. The Packers are sticking a big twig through your own spokes on your own bicycle right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did not enjoy watching that game. But, yeah, like I said, the credit I'll give to the Giants is that they don't they don't fuck themselves up anymore. They're playing <laughs> they're playing which to be fair, that's that is better than like twenty six teams in the NFL right now. It's true. It they're not in true. the room. Especially this whole this whole season. There seems to be more teams trying to sort of trip over each other, whereas the Giants are rightly four and one by just playing smart, sound consistent yeah. NFL level football. Yeah, I when think it... Barkley went into the tent though, that is like that's kind of like a Jenga piece for the Giants because Oh, yeah. I I had my head If he gets head. if he does get hurt and well he has done most of the time, like I don't I'm not saying that he will, but he might. There's evidence to suggest that it might happen. Then they suddenly feel a lot more toothless, if that makes sense. But their schedule's pretty soft. And I think they they could be around ten and seven from the end of the season, and well, that would exceed expectations. It'd be January football, that's for sure. Sam, when was the last time you saw the Giants in January football? Uh... They, they're, they're playing on the first and the eighth of January in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never like the first year I actually watched football was probably let's say the second year of this podcast. Right. <laughs> so 2020 then. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen a like a Giants team that was in any way successful. That is 2019, 2020. Well, I... Do you know what it is? It's because they've got these new alternate uniforms that look bloody lovely. And oh, that's that is true. That's yeah. why they they suddenly look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, make money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to dip ever so slightly earlier than I wanted to, but I um, don't think I have anything to say for the rest of the games, so... Well, neither do we, so let's just wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, go-go Matt Ruleless Panthers. Go go gadget Panthers. <laughs> go 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 gadget interim head coach. Um, uh, I apparently uh, the Bills are trying to shop like McCaffrey to them, or they're trying to like the Bills are trying to like inquiring about McCaffrey. Stop taking and our if, points, if they, you jag off. If if they we get, only have two points about this game. We only have two points about the Panthers this game, and you've taken both of them in your leaving statement. Fuck it, off! Well, if <laughs> Thank do you for doing that. Now we don't even have to touch on it. Yeah. The, <laughs> what? Like, so what? If know, the Bills add Christian McCaffrey, then what? They're not going to have the ball in Josh Allen's hands much. How's that a good idea? Oh, no. I don't care about the Bills. If they get McCaffrey, they've got quite a lot of running backs there. 
maybe we make the load a little easier on Saquon, get a little, uh, get some moss in in New York. Get Zach, get Zach Moss over to the, the eastern New Jersey area. You could probably find a free agent who will do as much as Zach Moss. I don't rate the Bills running backs very much at all. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, shocker. What? That every no, year, they're uh, no, he is right. Team. He is right. Zach Every Moss year in is, fantasy, is like shit. Zach Moss and Devin Singletree, they're going to break out this year. And they both finished with 431 yards. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Three saying touchdowns. that that isn't true. And Just if the Bills saying. have the ball, if the Bills have the ball on like goal to go, it never goes to their running backs either. Okay. I'm going to let the perpetual Bills like criticism motion machine churn on. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> oh, see you later, Sam. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's go on to a game which I'm I'm I am gutted that uh, Ed and Emma couldn't have been here to to give us a little bit of spiciness about this one because the Bears and the Look, Vikings. Played sorry, a- I've got a breaking news report here. Did you talk about in the Raiders Cardinals? Did you talk about Devontae Adams? Uh, yeah, um, where Devontae Adams uh, might be suspended because he pushed over a cameraman in, in disgust. Yeah, they've released the report from the Kansas City Police Department. Narrative, the victim is a photographer at the Chiefs Raiders game. At the, end of the gra- at the end of the game, he was pushed to the ground, causing injury. He made arrangements for private transport to the hospital for treatment, at which time he called police. This is the, the kicker. The injuries are preliminarily thought to be non-life-threatening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm glad to hear it. I wouldn't want to hear that they were, but like, come on, that's that's li- that's living in a litigious country for you. Yeah, that's that's an America moment for you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's let's. I think to be fair, from this point forward, I don't know how many points we can make. So let's make let's make let's try and make two apiece for the first few of these because this mm-hmm. one at least did have some highlights to it, like Cam Dantzler with my personal play of the week, where uh, Smith-Marset, former teammate, um, makes a catch over on the over on the left-hand side. Instead of stepping out of bounds to keep the drive alive, he gets stripped by Cam Dantzler, who makes a great tackle from behind, who he had a very busy day, seven tackles, but one of them, just rips the ball free. I love it when a when a especially a defensive back because they they usually don't make anywhere near as many tackles as your linebackers. Um, makes a highlight real play like this where they strip the ball out of the hands and then collects the ball in one motion. Great stuff. Yeah, I know that was a um, that was a great play. You know, it's it's it almost shadows the fact like. Obscures the fact that the the Vikings were trailing in the fourth quarter of this game. Like, if they'd managed to lose this game, it would have been equally devastating, even maybe more so than the Packers lost, because they just looked unstoppable in the first half, and then they were outscored uh, nine to nothing in the third quarter. Um, they managed to get the drive when they needed it, um, but. Yeah, Kirk Kirk Cousins came out looking like Kirk Cousins in a one o'clock game at home against 
<laughs> you know, a team who aren't very good. You know, just absolutely shredding them. Yeah, it was and 17 for 17 through the first half. And I don't even know how this happened, because to be fair, Justin Fields went over 200 yards um, in the air, which is not much. And he, he had some big plays on the ground as well, including a touchdown that was brought back. But they were still outgained by 150 yards, and they've had less than half as many like first downs as the Vikings. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Even though the Vikings won at their 4-1, and one, especially in the NFC, a lot of teams right now who are very easily fallible. <laughs> you know, no one feels um, like they're invincible and nobody is, is really, even the Bears really aren't even out of it until until some of these teams start to, to kick on. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, um, they said Kevin O'Connell's offering, they call it the Cooper Cup offense. That's like, they're just finding ways to get Justin Jefferson open, but Maybe the Cooper Cup offense right now isn't really something you want to be overly associated with. But yeah, Jefferson, after a couple quiet weeks, is back to the yard machine. Well, it does kind of make sense that he's being used like Cooper Cup because the Cooper Cup's best season came last year and Kevin O'Connell was still their offensive coordinator. So it, it really does check out um, that he... He is popping off. I mean, 12 catches, yeah. 154 yards. It's pretty nice. Jalen Rager scored a touchdown in this game. <laughs> yeah, one catch, one yard, one touchdown. It was like a tap pass, I think, in the end zone. So, yeah. yeah, that's just the kind of day it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, unfortunately, I missed <laughs> most of this game and had to catch up in a two and a half minute uh, block of yeah. highlights, so I am out of points on this one. No. Yes, well, actually we've covered it pretty well. Okay. Alright. Uh, next game, the Seahawks 32, the Saints 39. This was the sort of high-scoring, low-intrigue game, but I will say one thing, and that is that Taysom Hill is a touchdown machine this year. Three touchdowns on the ground off of nine carries, 112 yards. And he also had a passing touchdown as well in this one. Weirdly. Yeah, it was a very odd game, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Oh, I still don't know whether Andy Dalton's done enough to keep a start, John. But like, man, <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird game. Taysom Hill had like a 60-yard run. Like, surely you must have a player who's able to catch him like yeah that's odd um Geno Smith like they didn't win they're not gonna win many games but he's still playing above his station I would say he had a couple he had a touchdown pass in this game that was really good if you he yeah. threaded the needle he had a, a couple of long bombs you know he's playing better than like Aaron Rodgers is right now I don't mind saying that it's just funny um Rashad Penny unfortunately is out for the season um, he was... Yeah, that's that's going to be a massive loss for them, considering I think that their their usage of Rashad Penny has been something that could help prop Geno Smith up. Um, I know that they still ended up scoring a lot of points in the fourth quarter and, and making this game close, or like keeping it close, but Rashad Penny being in there has been such a massive point because... I know that they've got Kenneth Walker, but I feel more like Penny is quite a good bruiser, especially in the like short third down conversion range, 
where you do need a guy that will pick up first downs. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and get a, a free agent because obviously they've got Ken Walker, who's a first rounder and who you would think is sort of in the mold of Richard Penny. Was he not late like, he's a bit more of a bowling ball. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, they've got DJ DJ Dallas and Travis Homer have been there for years. It felt like forever. It feels like. But I don't know. When they've got, like, Lockyer and Metcalf and a couple of okay tight ends, and, well, no offense, meant to be quite good. It hasn't really landed on his feet. Will Disley always is good for a touchdown <laughs> or a few during a season. And if the offensive line holds up, I think they can. They might not miss Rashad Penny that much. I think they're still going to be a top. Holy crap, are the Seahawks a top 10 offense at least? Yeah, they must be. Yeah, but it's in the be... same way that the Lions are a top, are like still considered like a top, th- well, before this week, like a top three offense, but they've also lost a bunch of games because they, they score a lot of points in like late game garbage time. I don't know. Neither of these teams are good. I, I still think that the Seahawks are, are, no, are, are a bad team. Yeah, I think they are bad, but I don't think they're like the worst team in the league. And I think, you know, they've got a few games that I'm I'm quite looking forward to watching. Like their game against the Cardinals next week. They're, those two always play a funny game. But like their game against the Giants, that'll be a fun one to watch, I think. Like, you know, Geno Smith versus Daniel Jones could be a fairly interesting game. Yeah. And as a neutral, when you're getting that as a fairly interesting game, you, you can't answer anything more. But the fact that they're like a top five offense is highly highly indicative of how the rest of the NFL's doing. A little bit, yeah. Um, Alright, moving on to the final undefeated team of the season. And they're keeping it alive with a 20-17 win. The Philadelphia Eagles 5-0 and on the year. They beat the Arizona Cardinals who are well, they are running through mud right now as a whole team. Um, and yet, the Eagles almost lost this one. They were. It was a way closer game than I was expecting. Um, mm. Cardinals weirdly stepped up, but just couldn't quite make it make it count. There was one. I think that the main highlight play of this one for me was the Marquise Brown touchdown, where he sort of catches it, spins away from a couple guys, and uh, takes it to the house from I think it was like the thirty-five yard line or whatever. Um, just a, a really good play. They needed a spark out of a guy. They ended up getting it. Um, but yeah, the Eagles keep on journeying. Is the yeah, is the I, NFC East the best division in football right now? No, <laughs> no, no. The it's probably not as good as the AFC East is maybe better. I don't know. It's it's much better than it has been in previous years. That goes without saying. But I think the Eagles won in a different kind of way. Like they they did enough. Like. Jalen Hurts didn't really like like put up that many numbers. I think Dallas Goddard was their leading receiver, and Miles Sanders didn't do too much. I think Jalen Hurts was their leading rusher, so it showed that they can sort of be more of a like a basic offense that can still do the the simple things fairly well. Yeah. Um, and they've got a quarterback who can make enough plays to win a game like this. Um, on the Cardinals side, I don't they. They're improving as the season goes along. They're getting DeAndre Hopkins back soon. The fact that they're down to Eno Benjamin as their only healthy running back is probably going to be an issue. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think they need to panic. I mean, they'd feel a lot different if, if they'd won this game. I don't think the Cardinals need to panic. They're in a... As far as two and three goes, I think they can still be a playoff team. And Matt Amendola is just going from like team to team, just losing games for them at the moment. So I don't know if we'll be seeing much more of Matt Amendola. That is true. I actually completely forgot that Matt Amendola had even found a team this quickly. I I kind of assumed that he'd be sort of sat around waiting he, for He a lost bit. the game for the Chiefs against yeah, the Colts. Yeah. Got picked up and then missed the game tire. Yeah. On this one, so yeah, I don't know. The Eagles. This was more of like a tough out win than yeah. like a flashy win, but but you need those. I think you can't. You a can't, win's a win. Yeah, you can't go through a whole season just absolutely steamrolling teams. Even even like when the Patriots went what nineteen and one was it? They yeah. ended up having. It's one of the great cliches of football, isn't it? It's like it's the mark of champions to. You gotta play win dirty low your best and still win. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. Uh, it is a. It is a good cliche, but yeah, the, I'd say that the Eagles did did just that. They're uh, yeah. highly impressive this year. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Just in terms of actually being able to win games, nice work. All right, let's um, turn our attention now to uh, the game with the most controversy about it, where the Atlanta Falcons. Slumped to a fifteen to twenty one loss against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers actually scored and went ahead twenty one to nothing, and the Falcons brought it all the way back in the fourth quarter. Um, but my my word, the main the main story of this game has to be Jerome Boga, right? I know you didn't yeah, talk I mean, about we, it. We've already covered we don't need it, to go anymore. but. You know, but yeah, that, it was stupid. That's that's really that's the main bit of this game because there was not really much else about it. Um, the Falcons still look frisky, but they um, they just couldn't they couldn't overcome bad refereeing on this day. Yeah, this was not the most inspiring game. Let me read to you the the statistical leaders passing. Um, Mario was fourteen for twenty five for one hundred and forty seven yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so he got a he got a maximum there one hundred and forty seven. Not bad. On Brady, three hundred and fifty one yards, but on fifty two pass attempts. Yeah, then rushing leaders Mario was seven for sixty one. Fournette fourteen for fifty six, and the receiving leaders Zacchaeus two for thirty nine and a touchdown, and Fournette ten for eighty three and a touchdown. So these again are two teams. I mean, the Falcons without Cordaro Patterson might struggle because they're a very run-first team in yeah. almost every game situation. Um, and without Patterson, they might lack that dimension, so they might go into the tank a bit. And the the Bucks, like they got Evans and Godwin back, I think, in this game, but yeah. um, still swimming in mud. Like you said, they are not not sailing the high seas of success at the moment. I. I think that the Buccaneers might be... This is probably just as a direct result of them having a 45-year-old quarterback going through a divorce right now. They are probably the least interesting team to watch because there is... And I, I mean this because there isn't an element of being like... They're not, they're not fun. They're not bad. They're just bland. They just exist in this realm of like, oh, they they will win games and they're gonna play 
they're going to call 18 swing passes to Leonard Fournette and fucking Rashad White. Like, woo! That's exactly what we want to watch in, in this day and age. And I mean, I, I can't really even argue against it because it, it worked. They're up to three and two, but just I just don't care about the Buccaneers. I think it's I think it's Brady fatigue now because he's he's dominating the off the field storylines in the NFL as well. It's like just shut the fuck up and retire already. Jesus. Yeah, not no notes from me. Yeah. Alright, um moving on. We're getting through, we're gonna get through these so quickly, I think. Yeah, uh, no, right. Yeah. Uh Commanders seventeen, Titans twenty one. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Commanders fall to one and four. Um there was quite a funny uh statement from Ron Rivera afterwards about uh, somebody asked him why all of the rest of the NFC East were doing well but the commanders weren't and he just replied with quarterback. Um so I wonder I, think, I wonder if we're I gonna see Sam Howell. All of the other quarterbacks in the NFC East had been in in on their teams for like quite a long uh, longer and had adjusted to their system. But Oh yeah, because I mean, Cooper Rush has been around for years. Well he has been on the Cowboys for a, a couple of years, hasn't he? I think I he played last year. He played last year, but he's only he's only started six times, including five this year. I'm not being funny, yeah, but no. like, come on. And funnily enough, Wentz didn't even play that badly in this game. No, he, I thought he, he, had he played alright. He had the the killer interception is is like uh, the Wentz the trademark of the last few years. He always makes the mistake that you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's pure Carson. You know he's always about to step on the rake. Um, they didn't. They didn't get much out of the running game at all. Brian Robinson came back, which was cool. Um, six weeks after getting shot in the leg, so that's impressive. Yeah. Um, Deami Brown had like a crazy touchdown catch in this game. Um, there are a few beautiful catches this week. Uh, Brown had one of them for a touchdown, and on the other side, like Derek Henry, is continuing to look better, although. It, it was very much like a first half performance and they went into the tank in the second half, which a lot of teams like the Packers, <laughs> there are a lot of teams who will play really well. The Vikings do the same. They'll play really well for one half and then they'll either collapse or just about make enough plays to win in the second half at the moment. So well, The Titans have done that again, every single week this year, I'd say. They've they've played yeah. well in the first half and, and faded away in the second. And I think... I actually... I, season so far. I think that the Titans... A, another team that are just playing in their own heads a bit like they'll make one mistake at the end of the first half and that'll be them done for the rest of the game I know oh that going... is so characteristic of the Packers as well like what? they'll have like a fumble or something Shut and the then they'll up. go like I fucking <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's true though they, they, they'll have like a fumble and then they'll go like three and out three the next three drives in a row yeah yeah no I know I just meant like I just I wanted to use your own soundbite against you. Um, uh, I I can't be defeated. I know all my own weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's a it's a good point. Um, but yeah, they they just they play scared for a for a half. Um, they did enough. They're up at three and two. They lead the AFC South, but like, who have they really played? Um, so yeah, but luckily for them, they are in the AFC South, which might be the worst division of football. Yeah, good good chance. again. They are on a sneaky three-game win streak, though. It's just that those three wins have come against the Raiders, Colts, and Commanders. 
So. You take you you take what you can get wearing them. Just yeah. it's jostling for position at the moment. Yeah, a lot of two and two teams had to had to get up and not go down from there, and the Titans did it. So fair play. All right, uh, next game on the list is the Dolphins seventeen at the Jets forty. New York Jets. This is the first time since I believe 2015 that both the Jets and the Giants are above 500 at any point in the season. Funny. Which is, yeah, certified New York football team moment. They scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, did the New York Jets. Yeah. And salted this one away. Uh, biggest story, really, though, is that um, on the first series of this game, um, Sauce Gardner made a great play, by the way, coming off the edge on a blitz, uh, hit Teddy Bridgewater, and because of the updated rules around, specifically around the Tuatunga Bailoa situation, where they updated the concussion protocol to include, uh, what is it, ataxia or, um, it's it's got like a, a fancy medical term, but it's basically when somebody stumbles as they get up after a after yeah. a head collision, um. A spotter from the game reported that Teddy Bridgewater had stumbled after getting up, um, and despite passing all of the previous concussion protocol measures, uh, was kept out of the game, partly because he also had an elbow injury, but I think it was more he wasn't allowed to go back into it anyway, even if he was all right, um, because of the updated rules. And you, you kind of expected it to be the case, considering that... Um, the Tuatunga Vailoa situation had gone down. Whenever the NFL changes a rule, they always enforce that rule as quickly as they possibly can, and then they forget about it like three or four weeks down the line. Um, yeah, I mean that's what people were asking for, isn't it? That's yeah. Got. Um, the Jets kind of like the Giants are playing quite mistake-free football at the moment. Um, I wouldn't say they're playing around Zach Wilson, but they're not asking him to do too, too much at all. And I think they've got a really good rookie class, and it helps them a lot if Brees Hall is just like an out-and-out RB1, which he certainly looked like in this game. Yeah, um, 20 touches, 197 combined yards and a touchdown, including just a really funny receiving play. Like, where It looked like he was trying to, like... <laughs> it was like he was trying to walk through quicksand. Yeah. yeah. It's like when... Uh, I don't know if you've got any like young cousins or siblings or anything, but um, when one of them tries grabbing hold of your leg when they want to like <laughs> carry on playing football or something, and you like start just dragging your foot, swinging your leg while they're holding on for dear life, that was and that I mean, was the moment right there. It really was, and I think um, you know for years the Jets have had like quite an underrated um, defensive line, particularly in the interior. But if they can get a secondary to match, then that is going to help them win some games, even if their offense isn't going to put up, you know, forty points every game. I mean, Grundy was against Skylar Moore, but you know they, they've got yeah, a lot Skylar to Thompson. feel good about at the moment. Skylar Thompson. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta remember your seventh round rookie draft pick quarterbacks. You gotta do it. All right. Um, there was actually just one quick point about Skylar Thompson. Um, Mike McDaniels uh, made a, a very ballsy and quite stupid play call at one point where uh, he, he tried a sort of wide receiver reverse and had his only healthy quarterback 
despite the other two being out with concussions, um, <laughs> had his only healthy quarterback go out and block. He was the lead blocker on on this like reverse play, um, and I think that there was like some retiree like. I don't know, Ike Taylor or someone from like 2005, I can't remember who it was, um, tweeted about him was like, this is stupid because you get taught at all forms. If your quarter, if the other team puts their quarterback out there, you light him up. That's just a thing that apparently everyone gets taught. So why Mike McDaniel decided to put his only healthy quarterback as the lead blocker on the, on the reverse, it, it, uh, it wasn't a good look. Um, the Dolphins just need um, to get a quarterback back though, they need to get a guy healthy another week another another game where the Dolphins score 21 points or fewer which is 4 out of the 5 weeks this season just saying yeah, they can't really, it can't really be helped this week okay, yeah, yeah I guess not but you know, well, 20... last week actually for that matter I'd say Okay. what about the other two weeks of the season oh, the other two weeks, absolutely older? yeah, you, you, you're fine <laughs> Uh, just wanted to keep a, keep an eye out for. All right. Uh, Sam alluded to it earlier. I only have two talking points about this next game. The Panthers fall to 1-4 and four, or 11-27 and 27 over the Matt Rule era, which has officially come to an end. He has been fired, and Steve Wilkes is going to be going in as the interim head coach. Um, they, they just... They suck. And it's such a shame because they've got quite a lot of really talented players. DJ Moore deserves better. Brian Burns, J- uh, JC Horn, I think, deserves better. Um, I'm just trying to remember the name of the line. Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin deserves better. Frankie Luvu. That's the one. Luvu, he deserves better. Like, if this team had had a, a competent coaching staff, I think they'd have been far less unwatchable. As they have, <laughs> Baker, Baker Mayfield's Baker Mayfield, playing uh, like a, a, the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. He's awful. He, he's he, and and he got hurt. So are we going to see like Sam Darnold come in? That's just the same for all involved. Yeah, it, it, it's just a dreadful situation. Connor, a friend of the show, Connor Brosnan, um, put in one of our like fantasy football group chats like a, a he put like a bottle of champagne picture and was like, oh congratulations or like uh, celebrations or whatever and I, I I did just sort of think to myself you don't have a quarterback your team is in a mess and Steve Wilkes was dreadful with the Cardinals like I don't know if anyone remembers the, the Josh Rosier yeah. Steve Wilkes team was appalling they sucked they are not going to be an improvement under Steve Wilkes based off of what I've seen so, and they've got almost no draft capital either, so yeah. expecting to circle for some of those players. Um, it's a, yeah, a bit depressing. It's going to take a long, long time to get the Panthers back into shape. Yeah, and on the Niners side, um, just quickly, they've obviously improved three and one since they lost that rainstorm game to the the Bears. Um, I think they're basically just picking up where they left off last season. Like the, the Niners are the same team basically every year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they've got a rugged schedule coming up. They've got the Falcons, but then after that, they've got the Chiefs, the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, 
Saints, Dolphins, Bucks, Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, and Cardinals again. So, though I expect them to be in and around, in and around, you know, the playoffs for sure. I think three and two. It makes me wonder who who do you have the most faith in at three and two? Like the Packers, the Chargers, the Forty ers or the Buccaneers. In terms of winning games or in terms of actually enjoying watching them? because I, No, in terms of winning games. I mean, in terms of winning games, I, I trust the Bucks more than any of those. Um, just purely because of who they have. I believe in their defense more, but I'm not going to enjoy watching any of their games. Um, uh, actually, I think thinking about it, it, yeah. are very much the same DNA of the teams that they've been in the last few years. Yeah, the Packers, maybe. the Chargers, the Bucks, and the 49ers. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to... We've only got three games left. I'm so glad that we moved all of the primetime games to the beginning because this is yeah. this is a blast. Uh, <laughs> Texans, 13 winners... 13-6 uh, <laughs> winners over the Jags. Uh, Trevor Lawrence seemed to regress, but, you know, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah, god awful pick in this game. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Um, but yeah, I, I, I must admit, I just didn't see much of this game. It just looked. Bad. No, Damian Pierce had one run in particular where he broke like almost. It looked like Derrick Henry esque. Yeah, yeah, he was just bowled through gangs. And yeah. it all means Jack getting bowled over by Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, um, Davis Mills is brutal. Sophomore slump, I think, is pretty much continuing. Um, the Jags have looked pretty dire in the last two weeks since um, Nick came on the show and confidently told us that they were going to win the division. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not... After they whacked the Chargers, that's starting to look a little bit more like an aberration with each week. Um, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence is still young. You're going to have ups and downs, but this is about as down as it gets. Yeah. Uh, the the Texans finally getting a win. Um is I guess good for them, but I I almost think of them as being a team that doesn't want a win right now because they are they are praying to get hold of a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young or a Will Lever uh Levis? Levi? Levis? I have no idea. Will know. Levi is like the genius. Yeah yeah. Levi? Maybe. Um Levis? The Kentucky quarterback, but yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're just praying to get one of those guys in the draft. They they don't want to win games. They want to see yeah, good another... shit out of Damian Pierce, but that, that's all they want. Yeah, that, man, that AFC South. <laughs> it's bad. Move, move it on, please. Yeah, please. All right, we'll move it on to the final two games, which are both absolutely outrageous blowouts of uh, bad teams. Um, the Buffalo Bills, thirty-eight to three whoa, whoa, winners. Whoa, whoa. We might be missing one. We're not. Cowboys Rams. Oh, I forgot. I, we skipped Cowboys Rams. My bad. <laughs> I, I think I actually managed to. Delete I was like, that. damn, br- brutal on the cow on the Rams. I don't know if the Cowboys blew them out per se. <laughs> yeah, no, my bad, my bad, my bad. All right, we'll hit we'll hit Cowboys Rams and then we'll get to the last two. I, sorry, I write up all of the games before. Um, but, it, it wasn't a memorable week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, this game, I don't really know what to take away from it. Cooper Rush had like 100 yards passing and they still won. Cooper Cup had like a 75-yard touchdown. And then other than that, the 
Rams in nothing. They are utterly stuck in the first gear. That, or not even first gear. They're stuck in neutral. Yeah. It's not like good. The Cowboys, I, I would give a lot of credit because they when Dak went down, people were very skeptical. And again, I think when it's times like these um, where individual players aren't showing out as much as they normally do, you do sort of lean on coaching. And I think the Cowboys coaching staff have done a better job than we would have expected them to do based on how it had gone so far. Yeah, Dan think... Quinn's got his guys playing really well. Well, and this is they're what doing said about... I said this about them last year as well. I was like, Dan Quinn has this team's defence firing on almost all cylinders. I think they got beat a couple times in games that they would have been sort of disappointed to, including that playoff game against the Niners, but ultimately like Dan Quinn's defense has been has been I know that it's stacked with talent, like Micah Parsons is playing out of his out of his mind right now. He's he's my favourite for uh defensive player of the year by quite some margin. Um but yeah, like the Dan Campbell defense. There's a reason why this guy coached the Legion of Boom and they were so good. He is a great defensive coach. It's just I don't know what happened with his time in in Atlanta after after that cursed Super Bowl. They just became some the Falcons. Guys, but yeah. some guys are just not like some guys are good coordinators who aren't meant to be head coach. Yeah, I, I'd I'd one hundred percent go along with that. They just. Yeah, he is a great defensive coordinator. I'm I'm prepared to say it because this is twice now he's gotten a team's defense to be, well, maybe maybe the best in the league. Twice in eight years, so it's not even like he's just really good at coaching one different uh, one kind of of defense. The league's evolved in the past eight years. He's still good at coaching defenses. So yeah. Way to go, Dan Quinn. Way to go, Micah Parsons. Um, I also... I'm, I'm going to give Tony Pollard uh, a lot of props. He's just... I don't know why he doesn't seem to get as much love and why everyone keeps giving Zeke the benefit of the doubt when Tony Pollard is clearly... or should clearly be running back one. Um, But, you know, it's working for them. To keep Zeke in there, getting twenty-two carries and Tony Pollard just eight of them. Yeah, sometimes to be fair, sometimes uh, you know, team like a backup running back gets a lot of love, like a backup quarterback in Philadelphia. Like sometimes you <laughs> don't know exactly what they look like as an RB one, but um, you know, yeah, no, the Cowboys are looking like NFC contenders. Um, Particularly at the moment, and the Rams are. I don't know what's up with them because I'm a you know I'm a Rams doubter, but I, I don't know they've got no balance in there. I I do think like we said last week, it does come down a lot of it to the offensive line. I think that given them vexations at the moment, we won't let them do what they want to do in the offense, and, and the defense isn't really outside of Donald and Ramsey. He's not really been himself. I don't think this year. Uh, at quite at that level, but they they tend to get better as the season goes on. So I wouldn't hit the button just yet. Yeah, and like you say, I mean the NFC, even teams that are two and three right now could just look into it. Um, you know, 
they're not doing a very good job at defending their Super Bowl, but they might just get really good at the end of the year and they've got the talent to really make that work. So you never know. All right. Final two games at last. We haven't missed any more, thankfully. Uh, Bills 38, Steelers 3. This game started out in just about as explosive fashion as you could have possibly imagined. Bills had third and ten from their own two after a ridiculous uh, attempt at returning a, at the kickoff. And then Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis for a 98-yard touchdown. Gabe Davis had three catches for 171 yards and two toddies today uh, in this one. And, you know, the one thing that won't show up on the box score, despite Josh Allen's, like, 20 of 31 for 424 yards, is the winds were... They were swirling. It was it was like twenty two mile an hour at, at certain times, and they were swirling in different directions. And Josh Allen managed to absolutely light up Rick the Steelers' defense, um, which is you know just about as moribund as it gets when they're down to. Uh, I think that they they desperately miss T.J. Watt, which anyone which anyone would, but for some strange reason this. This team just loses all life. Um, he might be the most missed player in the league. Yeah. Him and, like, I don't know, maybe Odell Beckham, even, in a way, for the Rams. But, um, yeah, maybe. Um, they just... they just The Steelers sort of... I mean, I don't know really what to say much about the Steelers' defense because right now the... The the Bills' offense is a circular source of people. Just yeah, you walk in there and, and there's not much you can do, and they'll well, the Bills just doing what as a whole are because I think this is uh, just having a quick look. They've held teams to under ten point or ten points or under three times out of five games this year. Titans, they, the Rams, um, and the Steelers. I know that I know that those three teams probably. are a little bit broken right now, but even still, come on. Yeah, I do think the the defense for sure is a, a bit of a flat track bully situation. Like, it'll be interesting when it, it, I mean, I'm looking forward to that game against the Chiefs next year, uh, next week even. I think it is. So, yeah. But yeah, um, on the Steelers side, can I take the lead on this? Stuff. Yeah, uh, this was Kenny Pickett's first start. Um, now, the box score is going to tell the story of a 34 of. 52 with 327 yards and an interception. Um, I I think that this was, despite how bad the offense was as a whole, I think that this was Kenny Pickett showing the league that he belongs in this league. Um, because when the whole offensive scheme uh, just broke down and the coaching got in their own fears. I, I think that there's a lot of fingers being pointed now. At, at, even even guys like Mike Tomlin are getting a lot of attention, and and I think rightfully so after a dreadful performance like this. Um, just saying, what 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 are what is the game plan here? What are you doing? But the rookie Kenny Pickett, he had he had about. I'd say he probably had about four or five plays that made him look like a rookie. Um, couple throws missed, couple reads missed, but that was also when they were down by thirty-one to three. Um, he had 
moments of of genuinely looking like he'd been in the league for about eight years and reading defenses. I feel I feel more confident. Yeah, I mean about Kenny Pickett being a good starter. Yeah, sometimes you could just tell like when a player's gonna be. You know, I don't know what Kenny Pickett's ceiling is, but he's gonna. He's an NFL. He looks like an NFL quarterback, and sometimes you can't. You know, you, I don't know if you've been able to say that about Justin Fields, about Jordan Love, these kind of guys. You know, sometimes players they come in and they play really badly, and you're sort of hoping that they'll improve. Whereas Pickett has just come in and shown that if that's his flaw, then he's going to be in the league for a very long time. Yeah, he. Um, there was, I think, the play that I've. I've got most in my own head of of like why why is why is the guy making his first career start and he's only played like 10 quarters including preseason making a making a play that good and it looks like he could make it that good over and over again is there's one play where he scrambles out to the right and it doesn't go down on the box score as a completion because Deontay Johnson um, who had some dreadful drops in this one. Yeah, the amount of times, by the way, that Pickett hit Claypool and Johnson in the hands and both of them had just appalling concentration drops. Granted, down late, but you got to get, you got to help the guy out in his first career start. you got to actually do it. Um, and honestly, both of those guys are starting to really piss me off a little bit as a Steelers fan, um, just because of how annoying their attitudes are considering like how bad they've both played at large parts of this year um there was one play where Pickett uh gets pressure off the edges moves up into the pocket moves around then sees pressure coming up the middle holds on but then manages to roll it out right and I was thinking all right he's got good pocket presence here like really good um and he throws it across his body but Deontay Johnson is wide open with about 20 yards of field with him. He throws it across his body. It is literally at the only point where Deontay Johnson can really make the catch. And it literally hits Johnson in the hands. He's got the diamond-like shape that you expect, like the triangle shape, to catch the football. And Deontay Johnson just bobbles it straight through and Kyrie Elam should have picked it off. And I'm just thinking, like, Kenny Pickett is playing, and he does this sort of thing a lot in the game um, in terms of hitting guys despite their lacking play. I mean, George Pickens had a good game, but the rest of the offense, like, there were some bad drops from everyone. Um, but if I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a guy that looks like he has the confidence that a first-round quarterback should have. I feel good about him. I feel really good about about the Kenny Pickett thing, even though like I'm just trying to I'm just trying to bright spark this this because honestly the game was a shit show from the Steelers and, and we we will be one of the top five picks this year because of a combination of bad offensive coordination from, from Matt Canada, uh bad game planning, the TJ Watt injury and just the strength of schedule. Like it's all just gonna fall in on one but at least if Kenny Pickett looks that good um and another thing as well again I'll 
we'll move on. Not long now, don't worry. But Kenny Pickett <laughs> gets hit in the. Uh, he gets hit twice. Uh, egregious missed calls from referees, uh, and both times he has more fight in him than anyone else, uh, apart from James Daniels on the first one. Uh, Dwayne Harmon hits him late as he's sliding, um, hits him in the back, like dives into him, hit sticks him, Pickett gets up. James Daniels actually comes into his defence um, and socks him one, and uh, the refs only call the foul or like the call the flag on James Daniels coming in. But Pickett then is seen like almost laughing with Dwayne Harmon um, on the Bills to be like, all right, you got your shot in. Now, here we go. And then in the fourth quarter uh, on a play that goes down as a sack for AJ Epineza, but it turns out it was actually uh, Shaq Lawson that does this. Lawson dives at his leg. Pickett throws the ball away. And uh, Shaq Lawson dives down at his leg. Really could have been a, a really nasty injury, a really dirty hit. Uh, and Pickett just turns around and, like, down 38-3, to three and he's been getting sort of teed off on with, like, late hits all day by Buffalo. Just turns around and just, like, he, he responds to Shaq Lawson by basically just shoving him. And this is, like, a 310-pound D lineman that Pickett's, like... Decided, you know what? Fuck it. You've been you've been targeting me all game. You've just gone after my knee and almost broken my like. That's the sort of play that could have like seriously hurt a guy, um, to the point where it could have been like a, a I mean, even a career messer upper. Um, and he he responds in the face of Shaq Lawson, and he got popped last week, and he got popped twice this week, and every time he he doesn't he doesn't get inside of his own head. He makes it the player that popped him's problem by either making a completion or like getting the first down on the slide or whatever. Like he makes it their problem as opposed to his own. And I actually I dig that a lot, especially for a quarterback in this league, um, to get hit like that and to not cower away. He looks like he's he's he looks ready. Yeah, nothing else for me on that one. I think you've said it all there. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just wanted to, because this is—it was—it was literally—it was Kenny Pickett's first start outside of dreadful play. The problem we've got on the podcast for the rest of the season is that you've got to channel all of your Steve at homerism into one issue because that's what the season's going to boil down to—is whether Kenny Pickett's good or not. Yeah. So we'll be hearing a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think honestly, it'll cool off a lot. It's just that this was literally the first game, and he threw fifty-two times, and he didn't. He didn't look like a player that was that was thrust into the into the into the gauntlet. He looked like he, he looked like a star. It's just that the rest of the team did not. Uh, and then we're going to finish off here with a game where the previously number one ranked offense, Detroit Lions, uh, were shut out, blown out by the New England Patriots. Um, most of the touchdowns came from the defense for for the Patriots here. Um, or most of the scoring did, really. It was special teams and, and defense. Uh, Bailey Zappi had a nice throw to Jacoby Myers at one point. Uh, there's another guy that looks, that actually weirdly looks like quite a good player um, while Mac Jones is out. You are, sorry? 
It's coaching again. I think this was the biggest coaching mismatch of the year. Yeah, maybe. You sometimes see it like <laughs> Bill Belichick. I mean, you know, the Patriots aren't the team they used to be, but when Bill Belichick can help coach someone, it's it gets ugly. When he was against Gates, when he was against, um, you know, a number of different AFC coaches, he they, they, he can reduce a team to. And if there's one word to describe the Lions, it's naive. Their co- their coach is naive, the team plays naive, the quarterback's naive, and they just got cooked. It's ugly. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I wouldn't. They they are. I think, I think that they think that they're better than they are, um, but they've got to remember that like it's a long journey, and I, I know that the Dan Ca- Dan Campbell is going to have a lot of pressure on him because they they still aren't getting results and they're one and four now. But it's like this team came in as the worst in the NFL, and they have been for about four years, I'd say, but then they've been on and off the worst team in the NFL for 50 years before that. A lot of culture has to change in Detroit. The fact that Dan Campbell's a guy that they can get behind. And bear in mind as well, they they don't have DeAndre Swift, who is huge for their offense. Their quarterback's still Jared Goff, who is bad. Jared Goff is just a bad quarterback. Like I know that he's been playing well with, with like, the O-line keeping him upright and what have you, and he, he will do that. But when a team generates any pressure, he becomes sub-Darnold levels of bad. Um, I think I, I, ju- I think that they just got to be patient. You've got to have patience, and I think the fan base can't get too ahead of itself either. Um, there's a few Lions you know fans that I, that, I, that I do like as well, um, but they're just... I think that they bought in a little bit too quickly to this team. Do you know what I, as... I think? And this might be almost too harsh. I don't think Dan Campbell has the answer to these problems. Oh, every interview I hear from Dan Campbell after one of these crazy losses that the Lions have, he just sounds like a guy who's going to burst into tears. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he has such a strong emotional response. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I just don't know if Dan Campbell knows why his team is playing badly and whether he can improve them. Like, I just don't think I've seen it yet. Yeah. Quite possibly. I think that they have the worst defence in the NFL, which is um, not helping at all. Uh, they've they've had some decent showings, but, like, even even though their team should have just a little bit more quality about it. Oh, there was one there was one moment of this game that like you never like to see. We'll 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 hit on it and probably call oh, it yeah. like our last point. Uh Savion Smith, probably the scariest looking injury that I've seen for a, a while, really. Where um he like gems the crown of his helmet into Hunter Henry just in a in a coverage play uh and is sort of stretched off the field. He is apparently out of hospital. There is apparently no long-term injuries I'm seeing. Um, but, yeah, that is... It's great news that he's he's got full motor skills and that he seems to be okay. 
but yeah, get not a not an injury that you want to see. Um, it just goes to show like the actual forces that play in the NFL because yeah. if you watch it, it doesn't look like much, right? But for it to do that to a guy, I think it shows that yeah, you know, they say every play in the NFL is like a car crash. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a perfect example of it. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, let's uh, let's start to wrap this bad boy up. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, hopefully with plenty more action to to wrap up. Um, Max, can I have a closing statement? I think next week's the first week of five, isn't it? it My is. closing statement is to many teams in the league, please, please get your shit together immediately. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Uh, you can find us on at StiffLipPod um, going forward. You can also, I guess, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We have a YouTube channel now. Uh, I probably should start like banging that drum a little bit. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thank now you. Now we for... look stupid for picking the Colts in the preseason. Yeah. Huh? Um, yeah. We we can't thank you enough actually for a hundred episodes. Oh shit! Our final thought should have been about that. Oh, yeah. Whoops.